Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Coco Express, part of the Blog Talk Radio Network. Your host on the Coco Express is Aurelia Lyles. She's all about keeping it real. Great guests, interesting topics, so get on board. Listen, learn, live. Good evening and welcome to the Coco Express Show Network for November 11th, 2015. Before we move on over to you, the best invention ever, I'd like to take this time and opportunity to thank all of our veterans for doing what they do to keep us on this end of the deal, moving around freely and happily. We salute you, we thank you, and may God continue to bless you all. Welcome to You, the Best Invention Ever, featuring host Valencia Lyle Saunders, a show dedicated to inspiring you to invent something incredible, your life. Hey, 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 hey. Hi, how how are you? Good, good, good. Hi. Is this Matthew Knowles? Yes, it is. The Hello, one how only. are you? The one and only. Good evening here in Houston. Oh, so you're in Houston today, your hometown. Houston, Texas. Great. I just want to let our listeners know what's happening today. I'm speaking with Matthew, the one and only Matthew Knowles, and For those of you who are saying, that name sounds familiar, well, you know that name, you know his work, you know a lot more than you think you know about him. He is uh, the mastermind behind Destiny's Child. Yes, that's right. And he not only is a mastermind, he is um, a very savvy businessman, and now He's added author to his resume, Um, and we're going to be talking about his new book, DNA of Achievers. Officially, hello, Mr. Knowles. How are you? How are you doing this lovely evening? Great. Absolutely wonderful. And I'm so happy that we're going to have, like, this great discussion about your new book, Um, I I read your book and it is really really interesting. I have a lot of questions for you. Um, one, I love. Hi, I'm here Hello. to um, pick up. It's, it it appears that we lost Valencia, but I'm here to to pick up. She read your book and, and like she said, she really enjoyed the the book. Now, what were the I'm Aurelia. I, I'm just her backup, just in case this happens. Um, what promoted you to write this book? Well, you know, I do a lot of traveling. Uh, not as much today as I, I, I did five, ten years ago. But, you know, I meet a lot of interesting people. Uh, meet them, you know, sometimes sitting next to you on the plane, uh, sometimes in a restaurant, and, you know, conversations, and you 
see excitement in a lot of these folks, and you see their eyes light up when they talk about what they do. And, and I started seeing these common traits with, the, with these highly successful people. I thought about a lot of my friends that are extremely successful, and I began recognizing these ten traits that most folks have. And it starts with passion uh, and identifying what is our passion. Okay. Dan Valencia is back, so she's going to continue with the interview. All right. Thank you. Okay. Hi. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. The Internet is a fickle person. <laughs> hey, it's technology, fickle. right? But you, you obviously <laughs> I'm proud of you. I was thinking here uh, when I think about those ten traits of highly successful people, um, and I thought about one of them being uh, team and building a team, and obviously they're uh, where you are in the organization. You guys have a team uh, that when something like this happened, you had a backup plan. So I applaud you. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. And when you do this kind of work, you are always um, ready for the unexpected. So That's part of it, right? It's I know. It's part of the excitement. <laughs> it's part of the excitement. Um, well, I hear the excitement in your voice, and that excitement is also called passion. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the ten traits. And one of the, you say one of the most important traits in achieving something, a goal, a dream, is that passion for it. Well, what I've found, what I've found is, is that when I look at these ten traits, the one that you must have uh, is mm -hmm. passion to be successful, I've found. Um, and, you know, that passion in identifying, most people don't know, uh, even in their 30s and 40s, uh, they still haven't identified what truly is their passion. What is that thing that excites them? What is that thing that energizes them, that thing they go to bed at night, wake up in the morning? Uh, and, and so the book also gives the reader an opportunity at the end of each chapter, as you know, uh, is a mm -hmm. work exercise uh, that challenges you to, to really dig deeper and, and, and regarding the chapter you, chapter you've read and, and to understand when we talk about passion, for example, uh, what truly is your passion? And I really like that about your book. You just don't... Um talk about your ideas. You also do something else I thought was pretty cool. Definitions and origins of the words, of these words that we take for granted. And I I really identify with that because I, I, I like to see what words really mean. We've taken them for granted for so long, but when you really look at a definition and its origins, you, you gain another perspective of what this word really means. Well, I, th I think a part of that also comes from 10 years of being an educator at a, a, a collegiate university level. I teach here uh, in Houston uh, at Texas mm -hmm. Southern University, and I've been there for now eight years. And prior to that, I taught at Fisk University for two years. Um, and so that educator in me, uh, you know, it breaks down the, the root words. Uh, the educator in me uh, also at the end of each chapter to challenge the reader to really have a different experience with this, this book. 
Mm-hmm. And it comes across that you are a professor and educator because this is almost a textbook read. You you define, we have to define words, you give homework. <laughs> And you give uh, a, I guess you can say that. I guess you could. We could say this is my first textbook because you know one of the things that uh, I'm doing, even as we speak, uh, is begin to write three of the courses that I teach. Uh, one mm-hmm. is intro to the recording industry. The other one is artist management, uh, and another mm. is uh, intro to entrepreneurship. Those are three courses that I teach that I. Have be hopefully before in the fall of next year I have those books available. Um, I, I really enjoy writing. I enjoy educating and motivating people in the area of entrepreneurship and, and entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and it really, it's my passion. Uh, and so it's not work to me. It's an opportunity to do what I clearly enjoy. Yeah, and that's been evident over your successes in the industry. And the industry has changed so much. So I'm sure you have a whole different perspective on, you know, where the industry is going and how to how to get a foothold in because it's a lot different than it used to be. Well, you know, the beauty about that is that, you know, I still get to grow. I get to learn uh, mm-hmm. every day. I, I, there's, there's, and I challenge anybody in any area uh, to continue to grow and, and self-help and development. And so we, we are now in a digital age. And, and the cell phone yeah. that we have, uh, uh, the cell phone that we have will be that key device that we'll use in every aspect of our lives. Uh, and you're right, music is changing. One thing that hasn't changed, folks are experiencing music more than ever, ever before. So it's not that we're not experiencing music. Uh, it's just that people aren't buying music like they used to. Right. So we have to change yeah. change our headset and we look at streaming and, and subscription services and, and that'll be our mm-hmm. way of life in the future. Mm-hmm. And what's been the pushback on that from the industry? Because I know, um, you know, the CD, we don't know where that's going to go soon. It's not a way. Um, and... The recording industry has changed so much; it's almost um, non-existent because you can do stuff on your computer now. But the big studio um, system is gone. So well, the CD, the CD, the CD is declining. Uh, every year, uh, in the past five years, we've seen a steady, steady decline in the CD. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, right now it's you know like fifty-two percent of all the the music is bought by CD, but that steady three to four percent a year is declining. Even when we look at digital single sales, for the first time we saw last year a decline in single dig, digital single sales, and we saw a decline at at uh, iTunes. Uh, so again, we look at this new streaming world; uh, it's mm-hmm. the wave of the future, as well as the subscription. World where folks would just pay a monthly fee and they get to experience all the music that they want, and we see that in many subscription services today. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's it's on us. It's it's the wave of the future. So in that in that wave, how are um, record labels making up the shortfall in revenue? 
Well, we've seen this in almost every aspect of, of corporate America. We see mergers and acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see layoffs of staff. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you see a more efficient way of doing business. Uh, there's been a lot of waste uh, in the music industry for years. And, and now mm-hmm. we're just simply doing what other uh, aspects of businesses have d- done over the last 10 years, and, and, and they've had to uh, merge and, and reduce this, the staff. And you'll see that repeatedly happen in the music industry. I think in the next three to five years, there, you know, we have major uh, now four major record labels. I think that four will become two. Um, wow! I think you begin to see that happen more and more across the board. Uh, as you said, there's not that need to go in these big studios anyway to make music. But the one mm-hmm. thing is, it holds true, uh, and that is a a, a good song. Uh, we still love a good song. Absolutely. And touring is touring is actually is you know the, that's where artists have always made money. And they will continue mm-hmm. to make money in touring. They've really never made money selling records, uh, no. but touring is is where uh, you know, and artist development will be, become more important than it was in the past. So um, I know that there, there this new um, is it called the three sixty deal? Yeah. Where mm-hmm. yeah, where companies um, will tap into your revenue streams because they've signed you. So how how is that shaking out for artists? I know, you know, when you're uh, at the upper echelon of the business, it's a different animal. But what about newcomers? How are they faring in this system? Well, for, for the most part, um, most uh, independent and most uh, almost all major record labels, uh, new artists don't have a choice. Uh, they either right. sign this 360, and the 360 is just saying that the record label will participate in the revenue streams of record sales and the revenue streams of endorsement, publishing, merchandising, uh, touring, uh, in some cases even management. Uh, and, and mm-hmm. you know, if I put, and I wear both hats. You know, I've been a, mm-hmm. still I'm a, a manager. I have a new group called Blush Music, which is a three-girl hip-hop group, uh, two rappers and a vocalist. So if I mm-hmm. put my my record label hat on, uh, you know, when you invest with Apple, you know, the company Apple, uh, you don't just invest in one aspect of Apple. You don't just invest with the iPhone, you invest with the iPad, you invest mm-hmm. with the computer, you know, and, and you expect when you put up that $1,000 that you, you know, if there's profit. You have a piece of everything. Everything. And, and that only makes mm-hmm. sense because when a new artist, they, they're a new new company, a new product, uh, and mm-hmm. the record label is investing in that company. And so everything that comes out of that investment, they should participate. And so I have that that standpoint. And even in my book, again, it talks about the teamwork. Uh, it's right. not really I, it's really uh, we when we look at the challenges in the music industry. And I think it's important that artists and record label and managers all work together, not against each other. 
Absolutely. Um, but I, I know um, just historically when you look at there's always been the artist. I think today artists are need to be smarter and more savvy, but there's always been artists who have been taken advantage of um, because they didn't know enough um, about how to manage themselves within the team. Um, That's absolutely true. And, you know, one of the things that uh, I, I've had the opportunity to do this year and just recently in Houston and next year in, in several cities a tour, uh, a seminar that's called the Entertainment Industry, How Do I Get In?, which is an all-day seminar. And it talks about mm-hmm. every aspect of what's required to really get in and maintain yourself. Uh, in an industry that pretty much has a 99% failure rate. Uh, That's a very extremely high failure rate for artists. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. That's a really, you know, that is a really true statistic. It's just like sports. Everybody is not going to get to the NFL or, you know, any of those elite, you know, on those elite teams. And to really break into the industry and accomplish something is really a feat in itself. Hello, we're having some technical issues. People are coming back. They drop off. You're back, correct? Hello. Yes, hi. You dropped off. I don't know why. Things are dropping on and off. Oh, she's back, too. Here you go. All right, thank you. I'm back. <laughs> You're back. <laughs> um, I, I and I forgot my question too. Let's well, we were see. talking. Of, we, we were talking about the 360 model. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where we we were talking about. Oh. Uh, okay, got. I'm back on. Um, there's one industry yeah. that really has. Um, the K-pop industry, which has been really interesting to me. Um, and they've, I think they've been in a, in the not great way historically in that industry, but they've been, you know, there have been some abuses, um, but they have a, a, a 360-esque approach to the business and um, importing their brand of, music style fashion but i also see um the hip hop industry the black music industry ha- as being a great amb- ambassador in in the world of music because even when you look at them they emulate um the things that we've done yeah musically. you know when you look at k-pop and you look at you know from a cultural standpoint uh, mainly in Asia, uh, mm-hmm. yes, they've tried to emulate. They just haven't quite yet got it 100% right, uh, but I give them a, a, a big shout-out for trying. Uh, and yeah. you're, you're right. They, they've had just recently in the news, uh, speaking of the abuses that the record labels have, uh, have had with some of the artists uh, and the, the revenues generated, uh, but it's an interesting phenomenon that, quite frankly, hasn't 
really caught on and worked in America. Uh, yeah. But, you know, again, uh, it's such a large population over there. Uh, and it, the, the, the opportunity I see outside of America is extremely broad and vast. And a lot of new artists and, and, and new record labels, independent labels, uh, really should take a long, hard, fast look at the opportunities that exist in Europe uh, and the mm-hmm. opportunities in Asia uh, that really mm-hmm. exist for new artists. That there's a, you know, there's a different, greater, deeper appreciation of American artists and of music outside of America, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so it's an opportunity for for those. And, you know, when we look at hip-hop, I think personally, and I was just looking, I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes to reading and, and, and grasping uh, new information. I get excited about it. Uh, so I, I read too. a lot about the industry. Uh, you know, we're, we're seeing, first of all, when we really look at R&B and hip-hop in a whole uh, scheme of things, it only represents about 16% of the marketplace. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's always lumped together, of R&B and hip-hop, so it's hard to understand of uh, that 16% how much is what R&B, how much is hip-hop. Is. Mm-hmm. Because when those numbers, they always lump them together. But I, I, I can tell you that there's been a steady decline uh, in hip-hop. And I think what will increase rap and hip-hop is, and I'm doing it, I have a, a female girl group called Blush Music that I've had an artist mm-hmm. development. Next year you'll hear more about them as I launch them. Okay. Uh, two well, rappers, we heard it first Two female here. rappers. Mm-hmm. Two female rock rappers and uh, one vocalist. And again, the name of them are Blush Music. But where the growth that I think we'll begin to see in, in, in hip-hop is more and more female female artists in hip-hop. Oh, As absolutely. You look at, when you look at the, the, the person that has bought rap music in the past, has majority been white males. Yeah, uh, and now absolutely. We see, Mike, <laughs> we, we see white males now going more to EDM, electronic dance music, uh, mm-hmm. and, and making a departure away from hip-hop. So the growth, right. I think, is bringing women uh, to the uh, rap and hip-hop industry and purchasing and experiencing a, a rap music movement. So I think and that's where, that's just my personal prediction, I think that's where the growth in, in hip-hop could be and will be. I, Well, I think your prediction is probably right on the mark. And, you know, there's an opportunity for where it was um, white males. It's not just African-American females, but uh, white females, too. Exactly. To you know, buy that music, be engaged by that music. Exactly. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, you were surprised. Um, you didn't know that about me, did you? That, that you were a nerd? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had me fooled on that one. <laughs> no, I just love reading. Uh, you know, I just, uh, uh, just getting information in. Uh, just staying, staying up on such a uh, fast-growing business, and as we look at 
the ways that we have to operate within it today and how radio has changed and how video has become a critical aspect and YouTube become a critical aspect mm-hmm. and and now we used to just hear the music. Now we, we need to see as well as hear. And, and right. that's a wave of the future. You know, you, visuals have become critical. And with more and more visual means more and more uh, attention to imaging and attention to detail. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, streaming, again, streaming is, is our future. I, I predict that one day uh, social media streaming will all come together. And you just pay a monthly subscription to do a whole bunch of this stuff. Uh, and, I, and I you know, I I have to admit, I I do appreciate you know my Spotify and and all the other things that I've used over a period of time to listen to music and not be, you know, locked down to one particular aspect of it or one particular exactly. sound. So, um, yeah, I, I was interested in streaming so long ago, and it just hadn't caught up, you know, enough. It was too static, and it just, you know, it wasn't there. But now it's it's here in a huge way, and it's only going to get yeah. more refined. Oh, yeah, it's 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 nice. It's not going away. And, you know, the whole mm-hmm. big boohoo now that everyone is really talking about from a record label perspective is, uh, the dollars associated uh, with streaming. And, and I look at that and I, I kind of shake my head because the formula hasn't changed uh, since the history of music. The artist right. never really made money and selling records. Uh, and this record is the same thing, them. basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and artists still, and I think they'll always be, they'll make the majority of their money from touring. Uh, mm-hmm. Touring and endorsement, publishing, uh, merchandising—that's uh, mm-hmm. where and branding, will, product and branding. That's where artists will make their money. They always have. Mm-hmm. I would like to ask you about one of the chapters in your book, "Learning from Failure." We all—we are all so afraid to fail, and that sometimes sets you in a whole other direction away from your dream. See, I, I, so, I look at it differently. I, I, mm-hmm. I look at failure. Failure helps us even reach our dreams even faster. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I think that, and I've always said, and I say in the book, uh, Failure is and, and mistakes because I you know I kind of put them together. Mis- mistakes and failure are synonymous. You know that's an opportunity for us all to grow, and it's not mm-hmm. a reason for us to quit. And if you look at some of the most successful people in the world, and of all times, you know they had a significant amount of failure. I was just talking today about who I think is was the greatest basketball player. Ever, and, Michael, and Jordan. Michael Jordan. Uh, and you I mean, write about him almost, in your book a little bit. Yeah, it's almost unbelievable. I can't even comprehend the fact that Michael Jordan in the 10th grade did not make his basketball team. Mm-hmm. And, and he didn't look at that as, hey, I can't meet, reach my dream. 
I didn't. I got cut from the, the basketball team. He could have said, "Hey, this is a reason for me to quit." He could have came up with all of these poor pity me and I'm a victim. You know, he could have right. done all of that. But instead, he he looked in the mirror and say, "What did I learn from this? Maybe I need to work on my game better and more. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need well, to." Well, what did they have more. that? Yeah, that I don't have that they're looking for. Exactly. And, and so I, I look at failure really as an opportunity uh, to grow and, and to gain more uh, a, a different point of view. And that's why if you look at a risk taker, and a mm-hmm. risk taker, what is risk? Risk simply says, I'm going to do something that I possibly could fail at. That's when you take a risk, that's what it is. It's saying, hey, you know, I right. might fail at this. And that's why the exciting thing about this book, the more and more you comprehend it and understand, all of mm-hmm. these traits are so interconnected with each other. But I, I, when I read the book, the one thing that kept coming back over and over and over is the theme of passion. Because when you're passionate about something, risk-taking is 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 okay. There's something about the Absolutely. momentum of passion that says, "Go ahead, try it." And my mother used to—I used to always ask my mother about things I wanted to do, and her advice was, "Try it. If it works, it works. If it right. doesn't, it doesn't." <laughs> so, and if it doesn't you know, work, you will learn something from the experience to mm-hmm. use on the next time that you try. And even if it is, I didn't like it, or I liked it. Those are two good responses to something you tried. And you can make a decision based on those two responses. So, you know, and and even where the next chapter two, vision, if you have passion, it makes you, passion makes you dream. And And dreaming is a wonderful thing. I I really, uh, especially with our youth, uh, to mm-hmm. see them have dreams. And, and you know, we we have to be so careful with young people because, you know, often uh, a lot of folks, and especially with younger kids, uh, they have these dreams and, and they are f- frightened and sometimes mm-hmm. embarrassed to even say, hey, I can't really say what it is that I'm really passionate about because somebody's going to knock it down. Uh, and, or you know, I talk about me. that and. I, I talk about that in, in you know, vision, Mary, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, sometimes the biggest mistake we made it, make is we haven't thought through our idea yet, and we make that common mistake of going to someone and saying, you know, I'm thinking about being an astronaut, and uh, you haven't thought through how you're going to be an a- astronaut. And so what people say, you would never do that. You're crazy for thinking about that. But a true mm-hmm. visionary, before they say to someone, hey, tell me what you think about that, they really say, you know, I'm thinking of, I'm, 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 one of my ideas is to be an astronaut. And you know what I need from you? I need for you to help me get a scholarship to Harvard. I'm making up something. But mm-hmm. my point is, is that, a true visionary don't go and ask people for approval. They go to people well, and say, this is what I need from you to make my it's a idea declaration. come to fruition. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or and they don't ask for permission. 
Exactly. You know, can I dream? Of course you can dream. Exactly. Sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than, than permission. Yeah. Explain that. Expand on that for me. Well, I mean, it's, it's part of being a, a visionary. I mean, sometimes that if we we go and ask, it comes part of risk taking. Actually, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes if we go and ask for permission about an idea or, or a, a process, uh, people mm-hmm. will, qu- will quickly say no to it. And sometimes mm-hmm. you have to take that risk and say, "I'm going to do this." Uh, and, and I, I, I think it's going to be successful. I research. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling very comfortable and confident. Uh, and, and rather than asking someone's permission, because you know sometimes we live in that box-in thinking uh, that we just do things a certain way, and we just do it just because we do it that way. No mm-hmm. intellectual. It's always been done that way. It. Yeah, it's always been done that way. Nothing intellectual about it. We mm-hmm. just do it that way. We're boxing thinkers. Yeah, and that sort of dovetails. Outside of the box. There you yeah. go. I was going to say that. It does dovetailing with um, thinking out of the box. And that's why we have streaming. And that's why we have all this, you know, this revolution in the business of um, entertainment now. Because Absolutely. people started thinking out of the box. And, you know, I'm sure when, you know, Apple and and Steve Jobs, you know, when he used to tell his staff, hey, look, we're going to obsolete our own product. And they would say, Steve, but we have so much inventory. And he said, if we don't obsolete our technology, trust me, somebody else is going to obsolete it. So I'd much mm-hmm. rather it be myself that obsoletes it than somebody else. There you so, go. You know, you know, but that and take credit for something I know I should have done. Right. Right. Um, now, this is, I think this is an awesome um, chapter to include in your book because you don't have to be famous. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be, you know, any particular thing, giving back. Right. You know, the beauty about, and, and I see this in, in uh, successful people, you know, for me, when, when I, uh, you know, I grew up really poor. I grew up in Gaston, Alabama in the mm-hmm. 50s and uh, deep in the heart of, of uh, segregation. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was tough. It was tough. Uh, and, and when I look and see living on a dirt road, uh, and, and actually having an outside bathroom for until I was about 14 or 15 years old. Uh, and mm-hmm. I see the success that uh, I've seen in my life and my family and, and my artists and those around me have had. Um, you know, it makes the giving back a lot easier. Uh, it brings it, uh, I, I give it to a different meaning. Uh, and we always think giving back is giving money. Uh, but it's not. Sometimes it's giving time. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. it can be as simple as uh, being kind to someone or, or giving them a hug. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it means to everybody it means something different. But giving back unconditionally, uh, giving back, you know, from a true sense of, of, of love, 
for a fellow man can't kind. You know, I I tell a story. Uh, I was in Los Angeles going out an escalator, and a uh, nun from Mexico had this jar, and it was handwritten, uh, "Please mm-hmm. help." Uh, and I and I gave. And she mm-hmm. gave me a card, and I didn't read that card. Uh, I have a habit of putting cards in my pocket, and I transfer those <laughs> yeah, into we, the next we all pair of je- jeans that I wear, mm-hmm. a pants. And it might have been a month later I read the back of that card, and I've always uh, touched me. It was pray not for a life free from trouble. Pray for triumph over trouble, for what you and I call adversity. God calls opportunity, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it just really touched me in a, also a way of giving back and helping others, and how in our lives there will be adversity, uh, just like there's there's challenges in a lot of folks' lives in different ways, uh, but inside mm-hmm. of that, it is an opportunity uh, for all of us, and giving back is an essential, essential part of of. Uh, one of the traits of being successful. I think that's a beautiful sentiment because, um, you know, especially today, um, you know, we're in the throes of this, I don't mean to bring it up, but it's everywhere, um, the presidential, whatever this thing that is happening. (laughs) And we, you know, we look at people, people's lives and how people's lives are are affected, and there's been this debate, at least in my mind, um, regarding people who have and people who don't. And I think if we all adopted that just um, thought of just give back, it doesn't have to be from a monetary standpoint or because you have lots of money, but because you have a resource that's valuable. It could be your kindness. It could be your talent. It could be you know, your ability to organize or bring people together. And I I think we miss out on those fu- fundamental talents that we have. Right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right about all of those. You know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to jump on this interview. I have another commitment. I've so much enjoyed uh, talking with you this afternoon and evening and uh, talking so about... I. The, mm-hmm. the DNA of achievers and uh, talking about marketplace. And mm-hmm. I love also talking about entrepreneurship. Uh, that's my passion is to educate and to motivate uh, in two areas, entertainment and entrepreneurship. And, you know, that's what I've done from being a salesperson to being a manager, uh, entrepreneur, owning uh, own several businesses. Uh, uh, and I'm, I'm really really grateful for the success and it was built around teamwork uh, you know I have my my assistant is Lena Monza has been with me for 15 years and mm. so it's a lot of people uh, that uh, I can think for I thank for my success having incredible artists that really were so passionate and so I enjoyed these efforts and I thank you and your audience oh. Uh, uh, for considering, and I'm asking when you go out and buy the book, DNA of the mm-hmm. Jews, and I uh, look forward to talking with you uh, very soon. Thank you. Absolutely. This was a pleasure. And I want listeners to know, 
it's not about the music business. It's about your dream and how you can be a great achiever because it's in you. It's in your DNA. Am I right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Okay. Bye. So that was Matthew Knowles talking about his new book, DNA of an Achiever, and it's really a great read. So go out, enjoy, learn something, and I'll be seeing you on the Internet later. That's our show for today. So until next time, keep it real, listen, learn, and live. Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.